Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Well, welcome to this week's episode of the AccuWeather Podcast. And Andy, let's give them a hint and see if folks can figure out what this week's episode is about. think we're gonna need a bigger boat and the thing about a shark is he's got lifeless eyes black eyes like a doll's eyes <laughs> great quote so i think everybody now knows we are talking about sharks this week obviously and uh we're talking to St- dr stephen kajira he's from uh florida atlantic university he is the go-to guy on sharks there in the southeast and he's been featured on discovery channel shark week which comes up on the 22nd of July, it starts. And they're celebrating 30 years of Shark Week on the Discovery Channel. I know. That's so I heard. crazy. It is crazy. Hard to believe. I know. That many years of talking about sharks. And we also have uh, Brett Anderson, our senior meteorologist here. So he is going to be talking to us about warming water temperatures and how that relates to climate and shark migration. So all that coming up. Stay tuned. From our global headquarters in State College, Pennsylvania, it's the AccuWeather Podcast. Here's your host, Regina Miller. Well, I'm joined on the phone now by Dr. Stephen Kajira. He heads up the Shark Lab at Florida Atlantic University, and he's going to talk to us about shark migration. How are you, Dr. Kajira? I'm doing great. How are you today, Regina? Good. Can you tell me uh, about yourself and your career documenting the patterns of migrating sharks? Is it mainly the east coast of the U.S. that you kind of monitor? Yeah, so I've been doing an aerial survey along the uh, southeast Florida coastline for the last eight years, looking at the abundance of uh, these sharks as they're migrating down here. And what happens is these black-tip sharks will migrate down and spend the winter down here in south Florida, and then in the springtime, they'll start to move their way back north again, and they'll summer off uh, the Carolinas. Um, and so they make this back and forth, up and down, north and south movement uh, every year. What types of uh, sharks do you track, and how do you do that? Sure. Most of the sharks that we're seeing here uh, forming these large aggregations in the wintertime are black-tip sharks. And uh, they average maybe about two meters in total length. And we've done uh, aerial surveys for a number of years to look at their abundance. And then we have also instrumented the sharks with transmitters, which enable them to track their movements when they're not here, when they're making their migrations farther north. And I think anyone with um, access to the internet has seen the videos of sharks swimming near the shoreline. And I know uh, we have a clip of you on the Discovery Channel, and we've also seen you on Nat Geo with thousands of sharks just offshore. He teams up with local shark scientist, Steve Kajira. We're getting up to this, uh, this Palm Beach Inlet. Look at them all right here. This is spectacular. Oh, that is just beautiful. This is absolutely blowing my mind. There is, there, there are hundreds, thousands of sharks right below us here, black-tipped sharks in tight groups. They're right down on the bottom. It's just absolutely amazing. It's a really incredible phenomenon. Can you tell me what's going on in those videos? Yeah, so... What we've been doing with these aerial surveys, it's so interesting because as you're flying along, you see literally thousands of sharks just a stone's throw off the beach. And it's interesting because these sharks are down here at the same time that you have all these um, spring breakers. 
and other people down here in the winter, in the uh, you know the winter and the spring as well. So you have this huge number of sharks in the water, huge number of people in the water, and uh, the nice thing is that despite the fact that you have so many sharks and so many people, there are relatively few uh, negative interactions, and so relatively few uh, sharks getting <laughs> caught by people and people getting bitten by sharks. And you know, I was just curious too. I I have a, I have a video um, of a clip of sharks right at the shoreline feeding frenzy here where um, they're coming in and it's pretty shallow depth. Like I said, it's sharky over here. How, how far in can they come? Yeah, with these black tip sharks, they will often chase like the bait fish almost right onto the beach. These sharks will almost come right out of the water to chase the, uh, their food onto the, uh, onto the beach. And so uh, it's not like they're very far offshore, you know, literally ankle deep, you know, knee deep. They're, they're already there. Um, and like I said, there are literally thousands of them. And it's not uncommon for us to fly over and see people along the beach and sharks cruising just right offshore, right, uh, right there as well. Well, you know, and I wondered, is it something like, okay, so, so that video where, you know, that shark feeding frenzy kind of thing, is it something that's happening with more frequency or is it just something that's captured more because we have cameras on us all the time? I think that what we're seeing here is so many people have their phones at the beach and are uh, capturing this, uh, you know, these events and then posting them to, uh, you know, the worldwide community. And so as a result, we are getting these sorts of interactions um, well-documented that probably happened all along. We just were never able to uh, document or certainly share it uh, in the past like we are now. Okay. And, and what, why do sharks migrate? What, what's the mm-hmm. cause of that? And I wanted to also know how that may have been changing over the years. So I think uh, you can think of it as the same way as why do people migrate? Why do we have so many people from up north come and spend the winter down here in Florida? It's just plain more comfortable. It's warmer. And so why bother spending the winter up in cold New York when you could come down to uh, sunny Florida and spend the, you know, the winter months down here? That's the same thing these sharks are doing. They are coming down here where the water is warmer rather than uh, staying up north where the water is very cold. And uh, there's also probably uh, a lot of food. Uh, available down here, so they're following their food down, and they are maintaining this preferred uh, water temperature. And I think both of these factors together are driving the uh, the sharks migrating down. And then as the food starts to shift north and the temperatures warm up farther north, the sharks start to uh, migrate their way back up north again. Now, I was wondering, now, has there been a change, any kind of change in, like, I don't know how many years you uh-huh. particularly have been following this, but have you seen a change in migration patterns? Because I, I thought I'd heard something where North Carolina beaches didn't used to have the amount right. there that they right. have now. So has that changed? It, it actually has changed. And what's interesting is, if you look at the data that we've been collecting over the last eight years, you can see... Uh, large numbers of sharks that would come down here to South Florida in 2011, I guess, was our first survey year. And then the number has actually been decreasing dramatically up until uh, this year, 2018. And what's happening is as the water has been uh, progressively warmer uh, farther north, the sharks are not coming down as far. I mean, why bother swimming all the way down to Florida if you find you know, sufficiently warm water off, you know, central Florida or northern Florida. You don't need to migrate as far. And I think that's what we're seeing. We're seeing this shift. The population of these of these black tip sharks 
is uh, maybe not migrating all the way down to South Florida where I am, but uh, you know stopping their migration farther north once they reach their preferred water temperature. And I think that change has been rather uh, rather dramatic. We are speaking with Professor Stephen Kijara. He heads up the Shark Lab at Florida Atlantic University. And I wanted to ask you about, do you have any theories uh, or what do you believe is some of the reasons why that shift? You said it's pretty dramatic. Yeah, so there are probably a couple of factors. On a large scale, uh, we know that the oceans are getting warmer. You know, the heat content in the ocean keeps increasing over time, so the oceans are, are warming. Um, and so as a result, uh, these sharks are probably finding their preferred water temperatures at higher and higher latitudes. This might explain why they're going farther north and not coming quite as far south. Uh, they're finding their preferred, lat- their preferred temperatures you know, somewhere in the middle, somewhere higher north uh, than they ever used to go. And so that might be part of the reason that we're seeing this. But we also have to be careful not to ascribe everything to global warming. Our study has only taken place over eight years. That's not a long time. And there's a lot of annual variability in, in water temperatures. And so just the last few years that have been very warm, we've seen very few sharks. But we have to be careful that we don't ascribe the last couple of years to a global warming event. We can only say this is indicative of what's likely to happen in the future as oceans continue to warm. We will see fewer sharks at, at this far southern end and, and they're expanding their range farther north. What does this mean to the ecosystem? How's this change things? Right. So think of it this way. These sharks have been coming down here to South Florida for literally millions of years. And if you have a scenario where these sharks are not coming this far south again, they are not coming down and, and having this large impact on the, uh, on the local ecosystem. Right now in the wintertime, you have you know, tens of thousands of these black-tip sharks swarming off uh, South Florida, and they are having a, a huge impact. They are eating a lot of the, uh, the, the bait fish. But in the future, if you don't have these huge aggregations coming down here, you are not going to have the impact on, on the bait fish. And similarly, as, you go, as they expand their range farther north, they might be impacting ecosystems up there that have never been exposed to this level of uh, predators. Now these sharks are off New York, for example. Maybe New York has never seen this sort of seasonal summer influx of black-tip sharks in the tens of thousands swarming off their beaches. And so you could have ecological impacts both at the southern end and the northern end of their uh, range. Describe to me a little bit about the black-tip shark, since that's kind of the one that sure. we've been seeing, at least in these videos, uh, you know, what, mm-hmm. what are they like? Sure. So these black-tip sharks, they're an average medium-sized shark. They average uh, just about two meters in total length. The interesting thing about the black-tips is they do tend to uh, swim close to the beach, close to shore. They're, they're shallow water, uh, coastally associated sharks. And that's one of the reasons they get so much attention. There are other sharks that we know that also migrate north and south along the coast, but they're off in deeper water, and we simply don't see them. It's because these black tips are right up against the beach as they're making their massive migration. That's why we're so familiar with them. And that's one of the reasons that they interact with people is people are you know, swimming right off the beach and uh, you have the potential for, uh, for negative interactions. Is it often the black tip that we're hearing about if there is a shark, quote, shark attack? Right, yeah. So uh, the black tips are actually responsible for more bites on humans than any other species here in Florida. And uh, one of the reasons is because you have... Uh, them close to shore where the people are, and you have these migrations of you know 
tens of thousands of them swarming up and down the coast uh, a couple of times a year. And they have the potential to interact with people, especially farther north. If you go to like uh, central to northern Florida, the water's not as clear mm-hmm. as it is down here in South Florida. And as a result, you have maybe some you know surfer on a surfboard off uh, Daytona uh, paddling around. You know, in that murky water, the shark might mistake the sole of your foot for uh, a little bait fish, for example. Whereas right. down here in South Florida, where we have nice clear water, the shark can see that you're a big a big person and is basically going to leave you alone. I'm scaring myself here because I'm going to the Carolinas <laughs> and not too long from now, and I'm going to be like, everybody stay back from the water now. Uh, I'm just teasing. but uh, I, think, I think what I would do, if I were you, if you see a shark when you're in the Carolinas, just count yourself lucky that you that you actually got to have that experience, that you actually got to see it. I mean, I think it's really exciting every time I see an animal. And especially with the black tips, you know what's interesting about those? They will uh, jump out of the water, spin around in the air, and splash back down again. That's something that black tip sharks will do. And it, it, uh, it's quite a sight, especially early in the morning, you know, walking along the beach, you see these sharks jumping out of the water. It's not what you expect from a shark. But uh, black tips are, are, uh, uh, and spinner sharks are, are unique in that. Right. I'll be excited if I see them as long as I make sure that they're not too close to, <laughs> too close of you. So, well, thank you so much for talking to me, Dr. Kajira. It has been a fascinating discussion. My pleasure. Thank you. And to keep the conversation going, we brought in Brett Anderson. He's a senior meteorologist here at AccuWeather. And uh, Brett, I brought you in because we were talking to Dr. Stephen Kajira in our last interview about shark migration patterns. And Um, He was talking about how it is warmer farther up and they're not going as uh, they're actually staying along the Carolina coast Mm -hmm. instead of how they would normally be migrating down to Florida. And I thought, you know, it's really an interesting question on ocean temps, you know, and that kind of thing. And I thought maybe you could shed some light on that. Well, globally, oceans have warmed about a degree Fahrenheit since the 1970s, which doesn't sound like much, but when you look at the big picture globally, that's actually a lot. Uh, a one degree change uh, in water temperature overall for that long period of time is significant. Speaking of the Carolinas, I have firsthand account of the sharks in the warmer water. Oh I my go down, gosh. I go down there every year to my in-laws and we go to the beach and I can completely say that I've been going down there for 20 years now and uh, when we used to go in August, uh, water temperatures were about 86 degrees in August and maybe 80 in June. Okay. We go down there now in June because when we go down in August, it's too warm. And now in June, those water temperatures are more like 84 now consistently. So there's no doubt the water is warming. And also last year, we had a shark attack on the beach that we go to. Two, two kids were attacked by sharks on those beaches wow. uh, while we were visiting down there. And so the sharks are coming in closer, uh, certainly, and during the evening hours. And yeah, the water is no doubt warming up along that coastal area. Uh, and part of that is due, obviously, to the, the warming atmosphere uh, and also the changing currents So uh, we're, we're seeing as well. Uh, the currents are starting to slow down a little bit. There is evidence of that. Um, the Gulf Stream Uh, may be slowing down, and that may have an impact on weather patterns down the road in places such as Europe in the winters and whatnot. Uh, Still a lot of uncertainties with that, but things are changing, no question about it, and I can certainly uh, witness that myself. Uh, Right, because I know anytime 
it's funny. It's just a hotly debated issue. I, I you know, it seems like it's a, a literally a, a lightning rod debate about yeah. global warming. As soon as you say it, it somehow has become <laughs> kind Shouldn't of political. Instead, and so uh, you have all different opinions yeah. out there about it. But so, from your perspective, do you think this is? Cyclical. What do you What are you thinking? No, I think no. I water temperatures are steadily increasing, if not uh, steadily rising, over the past fifty years, and they're accelerating. Uh, I do not believe it's uh, cyclical. Uh, I believe what we're seeing uh, more CO two being pumped into the atmosphere. It's trapping more heat. Uh, oceans are absorbing a lot of that heat, uh, and when they release that heat, we see the temperatures really rise, land areas and whatnot. So when we had the so-called global warming pause over the past 10 to 15 years ago, uh, a lot of that was because the oceans were storing a lot of that excess heat. But now when we have a uh, situation like in El Nino, a lot of that heat is released back in the atmosphere and thus we see a lot of warming. And for the last five, I think, uh, years have been the warmest on record. Global ocean temperatures are the warmest on record. Uh, The evidence is all there. It's indisputable. Right. And tell me about what you were saying with the um rise of the ocean yeah oceans are ocean water water uh, sea level is clearly rising about an eighth of an inch per year on average that continues to accelerate a lot of that is due to uh, the melting of the glaciers greenland antarctica that's putting a lot of extra water into the ocean um, that's continuing to accelerate we also have as the the water warms up as i just explained it expands and uh, as the ocean more heats up it expands and that's also adding to uh, sea level rise and that's being a big problem on the coast obviously uh, a lot of people uh, live on the coast and uh, we certainly have to pay close attention to that right and what about uh, has you know the salinity mm-hmm. would be changing as well you know with the melting Ye- glacier ice right yeah yeah melting especially up in uh, Greenland we're seeing more ice being melted uh, and what's actually happening if you look at a sea surface temperature uh, anomaly map over the past few years uh, we see a pocket of colder water sitting south of Greenland in the North Atlantic, and that's been going on for the past few years. That is probably a product of fresh water, cold fresh water melting off the glacier there. Everywhere else, for the most part, is just warming up. It's, it's warmer than normal uh, for the most part on average. So uh, we're seeing uh, the influence of that, certainly. And the, with the salinity of the seawater, fresher, uh, fresher water, uh, we're getting uh, also uh, changes uh, that affect uh, ocean life, without question. Right. Yeah. You know, we talked about kind of there's debate. Is Do you find there's debate within other meteorologists about, like, warming? Or do you think everyone's kind of on the same page? Where is the... Where is the debate? I guess yeah, what can we I, agree on and what debate, do we disagree on? The big debate, on? I think, among a meteorologist is how much is man influencing the warming. I think most of us agree that the plant's warming. The evidence is there. Yeah, you can't so the, argue the so evidence. So the things that we agree on are the fact that it's warming. It's warming, and it's accelerating. Now, how much does man have to do with that? And that's the argument. Man certainly has something to do with that. That's, there's evidence there for that. The argument is how much, and that's what I see in, in, uh, in the meteorology uh, community from what I'm seeing. Right. So uh, in terms of sea level, sea levels are rising, going back to that. Um, when we look at Hurricane Sandy, if we had Hurricane Sandy 40 years ago, the flooding would not nearly have been as bad as what we saw you know, from Sandy because ocean, water, ocean levels are rising, and so the flooding gets worse 
with the same type of hurricane coming inland. So these storms are causing a lot more problems in terms of flooding than, than what they used to. Right, especially places like the Gulf, which are sitting down so yes, low yeah. in anyway. New York City, of course. In New York so, City, yeah. So people really have to uh, think about building along the coast. Mm-hmm, uh, right. Insurance companies are going to raise the rates and a lot of things to think about. We talked about the Carolinas because that's where we were. Uh, yeah. Dr. Um, Kajira or, or had the... Uh, video that he took of the sharks kind of swimming yeah. around people. We were talking about the Carolina coast. Yeah. And then the one thing I noticed, because you said you go to the Outer yeah. Banks all the time, is um, the cutaway under houses that's occurring. And yes. I was like, wow, these houses look like they're... How are these houses still sitting here? Like, the sand has gone out from half of the underside of the house. Mm-hmm. That's the first time, because that was my first time yeah. in uh, the Carolinas, yeah. the Outer Banks, and I was like, this is crazy. Yes, <laughs> it is, and they're still building down there, uh, but they're, the stilts, you know, a lot of these houses are on stilts now, but they keep getting higher and higher and higher. Right. The stilts are higher, and these houses are higher and higher up, but people still want to build right on the ocean. Mm-hmm. Um, so the key is local communities are uh, trying to build up the sand dunes better. Uh, protection, keep those uh, from wear, uh, wearing down. So th- that's a very important. Um, if you remember in down Miami, king tides, which happen every year, mm-hmm. uh, they're a lot worse now than they used to be because we're seeing the expansion flooding. The Ex- yeah, the expansion of the ocean. So uh, that flooding's worse. I was in Hawaii last year talking to locals in Hawaii. I was walking along Waikiki Beach. And at high tide, normal day, nothing mm-hmm. happening. I was walking, walking along the sidewalk up uh, above yeah, the beach. Right. It was underwater. And so, I asked someone, uh, and I said, is this normal? I said, no, this is not normal. This, this happens every high tide now. But, you know, 10, 20 years ago, the sidewalk would never get wa- underwater. It's changing. Yeah, it's changing. So, uh, yeah, it's kind of crazy. Yeah. Well, thanks for your perspective. I appreciate it. Yeah. Well, we thought we'd end this week's episode with some fun beach summer hacks because, you know, a lot of people going on vacation, Andy. Summer fun is here. That means going down to the shore. Absolutely. I know. So we have some hacks for you that we thought could help you out. So the first one that I have, Andy, is, uh, you know, I hate when I have sand all over my hands, feet, everything, whenever I go back into the house or to the car. Everybody hates that, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. Everybody says, oh, I love that feeling. So uh, you can get the sand off your hands and feet super easy by rubbing a handful of baby powder on on your skin so that kind of gets rid of the dampness on your skin so that the sand will just brush right off also staying on the subject of sand when you get back to the car you're going to have all your belongings your beach chairs your towels your bags what have you keep a little dust broom in your trunk that doesn't cost very much just brush down all your stuff before you put it into the trunk or even better invest in like a small dust buster or car vacuum that's like you know 20 30 40 bucks or just keep it charged up and get all that stuff out save yourself the hassle of uh, getting sand out of your car interior, which ugh, oh, it's, it's, it's irritating me already just talking about it. I know, it. and it's funny because I always clean the car before the beach. What am I thinking? Like, I always clean it like uh, like crazy before the beach, <laughs> and I'm like, and then I just mess it up. But uh, the other thing is if you're heading to the beach with a baby or toddler, which I have done a time or two or several, uh, and you have a pack and play, you can use a fitted crib sheet and then stretch it over the top at each corner. So not only does it protect your sleeping baby from the sun, but it also keeps the bugs away. Yeah, I mean, one of the main things about going to the beach, protect yourself from the elements. And of course, one of the biggest things there is water. And, right. you know, you could lose a phone. 
Right. So oh, take yeah. the extra time to just maybe put your phone in a plastic Ziploc bag or, you know, take the money and invest in a good waterproof phone case. It's usually worth the money. I know, because you'll end up uh, spending five to $700 anymore replacing a phone. Yeah, so. nobody needs that. Right. Uh, the last one that I have is kind of not so much a beach hack, but a summer hack, uh, like if you're picnics and things. And again, back to having kids with you there. My kids would be eating popsicles, and they couldn't eat them fast enough to stop them from melting all over their arms mm-hmm. and clothes and everything. So I started carrying cupcake liners, the paper liners in my purse. Oh, okay. Yeah, so if you give the kids a cupcake or a popsicle in the summer, you can just poke the stick through the cupcake liner and then slide it up and it catches all the drips before the kids are an absolute mess. That's a really good idea. That's a really good idea. Um, also, if you want to keep your keys from going in the water. You go out on the boat. That's another thing. Real simple. Just add a flotation device to your key ring, either uh, a wine cork or even like a fishing bobber. Which and, I love that idea. Yeah, because then you can see it, you know, just floating out there in the water. I think that's probably a good thing. It's it's cheap, it's easy, and it'll save you a big hassle. Right. I think that's, for your keys. I think that's my favorite because with the bobber, you know, being a brightly colored item there floating around in the uh, water, you can easily yeah. find them. So, yeah. good one. So, hopefully these tips helped you out and be sure to tune in next week. But if you can't wait till next week, Andy, we have a brand new daily podcast, right? That's right. The AccuWeather Daily. You can find it everywhere that you find the AccuWeather podcast. Right. And it uh, kind of looks into trending topics of the day. Yeah. So, you can tune into that. You can also find it on Alexa, right? Yeah, you can access the AccuWeather Daily just by saying to your device, Alexa, enable AccuWeather Daily, and then ask for your flash briefing, and then you will get to hear the AccuWeather Daily. And uh, next week is going to be a really interesting topic because we are talking to COO Mm -hmm. Evan Myers about the Dust Bowl. Yeah, if you enjoyed our show about the Galveston hurricane, you're definitely going to want to tune in for this one. So that's coming up next week. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. Be sure to subscribe to the AccuWeather podcast, giving you the stories behind the weather, discussions on trending weather topics, and so much more. New episodes every Thursday. Just search for AccuWeather on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, or wherever you find your favorite shows. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm.